The following program is brought to you free of charge by the sponsorship of Novos Ordo Watch. See for yourself that the Church of the Second Vatican Council is not in fact the Catholic Church of the Ages. Go to NovosOrdoWatch.org. That's NovosOrdoWatch.org. on member-supported Restoration Radio. I'm your host, Stephen Heiner, and joining me as always are His Excellency Bishop Donald Sanborn and Father Anthony Chicada. Your Excellency, Father, thank you for joining us. Nice to be here again. Very happy to be here as usual, Stephen. So, Your Excellency and Father, it's, it's hard to, to know where to begin on this trip to Mexico. He managed to, to say all sorts of things. It's Super Tuesday in the United States, as far as I'm concerned. So why don't we start with Donald Trump and the accusation that uh, Trump is not a real Christian. Someone might say, Your Excellency, Francis is right. Look at that. He's calling Donald Trump not a Christian. He's standing up for Catholicism. <laughs> the comment I heard on that whole thing was uh, that they, uh, they accused Trump of wanting to make the Vatican great. Again, and I'm all for that. <laughs> so, uh, now, well, it, it, it's an absurd uh, accusation. And who is he? I mean, he denies the, the existence of God. He says God does not exist. He says that there is no Catholic God. And who is he to call someone a Christian or not? And he, who is he to judge? And he lives in the biggest walled city, probably, or the city with the biggest wall in the whole world. So he should talk about walls. Uh, if, if you get around to the back of the Vatican, the walls, they look like a mountain. Uh, they were built in the Middle Ages. So, but I don't want to say that too much because he might get in his head and talk, tear them all down. Uh, <laughs> but in any case, the, the, uh, it's just an absurd. I mean, it, it shows again his stupidity to say something like that. I mean, if you wanted to say, I don't agree with Mr. Trump's you know, approach to the immigration problem, well, that's his business. But the, the, to say that somebody is not a Christian who builds walls and not bridges. So what are we supposed to build bridges for them to come across the Rio Grande and, and just invade our country? You know, and uh, this is the one, by the way, who said to Europe, oh, you have to bring in all the refugees. Everybody's got to come in and told the parish priest to each take one family. And the Vatican would take two. <laughs> the Vatican, which could probably buy half of Rome for apartment houses and other things, they would take two families. You know? and, and you could put up a hundred families in that apostolic palace that he doesn't even live in. And, you know, so he, again, this, this uh, stupidity, absurdity, 
hypocrisy by, on the one hand, saying who am I to judge, but then, you know, some man that he that never even met, he's going to say he's not a Christian. What occurred to me is, is uh, about the Vatican walls as, and bridges is that what he could do is knock down the Vatican walls and bring in all the gypsies who live <laughs> on the, the bridge of the, at the Castle San Angelo and put them all in his backyard. Yes. I, <laughs> and, uh, that would be most appropriate. It's, it's a typical Bergoglio thing yes. uh, because what defines being a Christian is uh, not uh, a true concept of faith, but it's some sort of a social action. Yeah. And that, that if you are uh, good to uh, uh, immigrants, if you give them a free pass across the Rio Grande, that um, is, is what designates you as a true Christian. Yes, not doctrine, profession of the faith, anything like that. No, it's, it's social action. And essentially, he's saying that he has apostatized from Christianity. He's calling him an apostate. He says you're not a Christian. Uh, that means he's he's virtually excommunicating him. And you know this is the person that says you know we shouldn't you know judge and we shouldn't do anything nasty. Uh, but he reserved it for his enemies very very uh, forcefully for the enemies of the social program. Yes. Uh, and then the other thing that I uh, just can't resist pointing out is the whole idea is so sixty. That, 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 that whole idea of uh, uh, build bridges instead of walls. Yes. I mean, how many times do we hear that? I, re I remember seeing things like that on felt banners in, in those no yeah. chapels. Yeah. So, uh, it, it's, so his, his, his brain, such as it is, is uh, <laughs> it's sort of stuck in gear in the 60s with, with those, those, those felt banner ideas. <laughs> I don't know if they do that. Did they do that anymore in the Novus Ordo Church? Did they do that when you were in there, felt banners with uh, um, idiotic flowers. things on them, flowers? They, 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 they did in my time, uh, Father, in, in your city, but you have to keep in mind, I was back in the Audis. Uh You know, I haven't been in a Novus Ordo Church in a, in a long time, so I can't really speak to that. I, I have to say, though, on the walls issue of the Vatican, I just see it as a practical uh, preventative measure to to stop the uh, the Vatican from being overwhelmed by hordes of Asian tourists. I think uh, you kind of have to keep the wall in place for now. Um, they got to the get those pictures. Right. You know, the the, the 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 gypsies are nothing compared to uh, the the fearsome hordes of Asian tourists. Uh, uh, remember, they are related to Genghis Khan. Um, now, in in relation to this Mexico trip, in addition to quote-unquote excommunicating Donald Trump, we also got some comments on contraception, uh, a la Ratzinger and uh, quote-unquote exceptions to the rule. The quote, uh, the translated from the Vatican website uh, transcript of the interview was uh, read uh, as such. Abortion is not the lesser of two evils. It is a crime. It is to throw someone out in order to save another. That's what the mafia does. It is a crime, an absolute evil. On the, so, on the quote-unquote lesser evil, avoiding pregnancy, we are speaking in terms of the conflict between the fifth and sixth commandment. Paul VI, a great man in a difficult situation in Africa, 
permitted nuns to use contraceptives in case of rape. Don't confuse the evil of avoiding pregnancy by itself with abortion. Abortion is not a theological problem. It is a human problem. It is a medical problem. <laughs> Bishop Sanborn, it, it's an advantage being the same room doing this because I think it's, he's, he's sort of nodding and his, his eyes are sort of going around in circles. Oh, there's so much wrong with that one statement. I don't know where to begin about it. Well, it's good that you're there, Father Chicago, because you could catch him if he if he falls out of his chair. Uh, I had to have him try to explain to me uh, about this. This uh, 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 my jaw dropped with the fifth and sixth commandment. I couldn't figure out what connection Bergoglio was making. <laughs> yeah, he said that and maybe it was in the next paragraph or something, but he says that the fifth and sixth commandment are in conflict. And and so Father said, "What does he mean by that?" I said, "Well, the fifth commandment says thou shalt not kill." So that means you can't do an abortion. The sixth commandment says thou shalt, shalt not commit adultery, so that means you can't have birth control. See, but if you don't use contraception, then you're killing somebody with the Zika virus. So therefore, the sixth and the fifth commandments are in conflict there. As if they're in conflict in God's mind, as if there is no possible resolution of those two things, uh, that you know, in in the mind of God, that we must respect. Notice that no one ever brought up the idea of abstaining. That maybe if you have a communicable disease, that you stay away from your spouse until the disease passes. Notice that that has never been brought up, and that was the way in which it was treated in the past. That if you had any communicable disease, that that was a reason not to approach your spouse. See. Because you obviously you can't disobey either commandment, the fifth or the sixth. All right, and but to say that on the one hand abortion is intrinsically evil, that's essentially what he's saying. But he then he says that well, preventing it, uh, conception is not intrinsically evil. That means it's intrinsically good. You see, because if it's not intrinsically evil, it then it is intrinsically good, and it becomes evil only by circumstance. This is standard moral theology, and and therefore uh, it, it's just some circumstance that makes it evil. That's why Lombardi said, usually whose job it is usually to fix him up. He made it worse. He said that uh, you can use uh, artificial birth control with discernment. In other words, you need some sort of, you know, good reason to use that. Uh, no, it's just that, that uh, only now, when Bishop Sanborn explained it, he explained it to me twice before, what, what the sort of non-reasoning process of Bergoglio was, and I still didn't get exactly what he's getting at. <laughs> now I'm like, it's so poofy. The jaw, you know, my jaw hits the floor. It surprises the cat sitting here. <laughs> <laughs> Listening carefully, yeah. <laughs> uh, so it would be so stupid to say something like that. It's, it's absolutely astounding. And as you say, somehow the there's a, a, a conflict when you go from number five to number six on the stone tablets. Yeah, that, that, that uh, you know these these are, are uh, colliding. It's it's as if there's a conflict in the very will of God. To say that those are, are conflicting commandments, but that has never been said by anybody in the history of the church that two commandments could possibly conflict. 
both commandments must be observed. And 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 absolutely. Yeah, and, and they, they, uh, the implication is that you have conflicting commandments, and then God leaves it to you to figure out. Yes. <laughs> Which is, uh, yeah. we should point out that it was Ratzinger who permitted uh, artificial birth control back in 2013, and he did it for the same reason that it's per- it's permitted because there is this idea of helping the other person if you use artificial birth control, that you will not communicate AIDS in that case. And this is for, for Africa. And that, that uh, so he, he set down all of the, the rules, all of the theology for this, that, that is justified when there is some serious reason. And that means that artificial birth control is not evil in itself. That is contrary to the definition of Pius XI in Kasti Kanubii, who said that we proclaim, and then he, he said that artificial birth control is evil, intrinsically evil, he said. So that qualifies for heresy, and it is against the universal ordinary magisterium of the church, which one of the members of the fraternity of St. Peter said that this is against the ordinary magisterium of the church, but what uh, Bergoglio said, and he instructed his people to simply ignore it. Just ignore it. So that is, would be like ignoring some enormous pile of garbage in the room that is stinking. You know, just, it's, it's like in, in the room and we don't talk about it. It's again, it's that re, uh, recognize and resist. Well, now it's recognize and, and ignore. Uh, that, that's their approach to it. Doesn't this also violate the principle of the double effect, Your Excellency? Uh, no, it, it, it has nothing to do with double effect. You have two things that are intrinsically evil. One is an abortion. The other is uh, artificial birth control, right? It's also wrong to uh, communicate diseases in sexual intercourse. You, you, should, you know, the person has syphilis, for example, they have to stay away from each other because you can't communicate to the child the, the syphilitic infection. See, hmm. so all of the, there's really no, no application of double effect here at all. It's two commandments that must be observed, and the way they are observed is by abstinence. And never is that what you never you never see that word. No, that is a taboo to to even mention the word abstinence. And in this case, with the Zika virus, it would only be for a time because it comes and goes. So it's it's not as if you're saying forever. Although it, in certain cases, it is forever if you know if it's an incurable disease. But in this case, it might be a few weeks. Hmm. You know, so the, the, it's, it's just a complete breakdown of Catholic morality. He's a heretic for saying it, and uh, the, the re- recognized and resistance people uh, have a credibility now that is in absolute ruin. You can't just well, ignore that. Well, the, the, the other thing is that the last vestiges of the old church that the, these people managed to hang on to 
were uh, connected with uh, sexual morality in some way or another. And that was basically what defined you as being a conservative because uh, you accepted all of the uh, new principles of Vatican II, uh, the new teachings of the church, religious liberty, uh, humanism, all that other stuff. And the last thing left for the so-called conservatives was uh, the uh, aspect of, of law law that had to do with, uh, with sex. But now uh, even, even that is gone. With this, this latest uh, uh, this latest pronouncement, you can how can you defend him anymore? I, I don't see how you can do it. No, and I just add this too: that all of the let's call it the rationale of artificial birth control leads to abortion, because it artificial birth control says you, not God, has control over the conception of human beings. Once you posit that principle that human beings have control over their own conception and their own generation, then abortion becomes legitimate because, after all, it's in the mother's womb. She has uh, the control over her conceptions and her, her generations, and therefore it justifies the principle of abortion. That's why abortion exists, because contraception exists. They go hand in hand. Hmm. Well, from one heresy to another, Your Excellency and Father, earlier last month, um, on February the 5th, uh, the gospel reading for that day, I, I don't know what uh, what feast it was in the, in the Novus Ordo sect, but it was uh, from St. Mark, chapter 6, verses 14 through 29, and specifically he was looking at verses um, 1 through 6. Um, Matthew 11, which was related, but not from that exact passage. And it reads, And it came to pass, when Jesus had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, he passed from thence to teach and preach in their cities. Now when John had heard in prison the works of Christ, sending two of his disciples, he said to him, Art thou he that art to come, or look we for another? And Jesus, making answer, said to them, Go and relate to John what you have heard and seen, the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead rise again, the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he that shall not be scandalized in me. Now, Francis commented on this, saying that he, wasn't, that he thought that St. John wasn't sure whether our Lord was actually the Messiah, and the text is from the Vatican Radio website, took his congregation beyond the text of the gospel, inviting them to enter into John's cell to look into the soul of the voice crying out in the desert of the one who baptized the crowds in the name of him who was to come, the one who was now weighed down not only by the iron chains that bound him in his prison, but by the shackles of some doubt, despite everything. But he also suffered in prison, let us say the word, the interior torture of doubt, but maybe I made a mistake? The Messiah is not how I imagined the Messiah would be. And he invited his disciples to ask Jesus, but tell us, tell us the truth. Are you he who is to come? Because that doubt made him suffer. Was I mistaken in proclaiming someone who isn't who I thought? The suffering, the interior solitude of this man, I, on the other hand, must diminish, but diminish thus in soul, in body, in everything. Um, diminishment is the word that comes to mind, Your Excellency. 
Uh, how would something, you... else comes, something else comes to mind, because when you say at the beginning of the Vatican Radio comment that his uh, congreg- he took the congregation beyond the text of the gospel, all I could think of is that uh, cartoon strip uh, in the paper about 25 years ago, Beyond the Far Side. <laughs> and because the comments on this are so crazy. Uh, uh, well, shall we review St. John the Baptist yeah, a little bit? <laughs> he, he was uh, conceived miraculously in the womb of Elizabeth, who was sterile and in old age, right? And uh, so by the, the, the power of God, uh, and then uh, the... the uh, when our Blessed Lady went to see St. Elizabeth, he left for joy in the womb of St. Elizabeth, all right, for the presence of, of Christ in the womb of our Blessed Lady. Then the, uh, when they went to, uh, to circumcise him, uh, the father wanted to call him, uh, the mother wanted to call him Zachary after his father, but the father said, no, he shall be called John. But he had been muted by the angel Gabriel precisely because of his doubts. And so he could say nothing until the circumcision, from the conception to the circumcision. He was muted. He, he, he could not speak. And he wrote on a, uh, on a, uh, like a chalkboard, a uh, little chalkboard, John is his name. And then his, was, his tongue was loose and he said the Benedictus, what the church calls the Benedictus, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. And that describes the mission of St. John the Baptist to point out the Messiah. All right, so all of these supernatural things are taking place. Then the boy, at an early age, goes out into the desert and, and, and eats all of these, you know, pretty disgusting things uh, and, uh, in order to do penance and to show himself as penitential, totally aware of his mission to point out the Messiah. And then... The, the Pharisees come and ask him, are you the Messiah? He says, no. Are you Elias? No. All right. And then when our Lord appears, he points his finger at him and says, behold, the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sin of the world. Pointing out the Messiah to everyone. All right. Then he baptizes our blessed Lord a, a little afterwards, and the sky opens up. And the Holy Ghost comes down in the form of a dove, and God speaks, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. All right? So, then uh, St. John the Baptist uh, recedes, and, and our Lord, of course, becomes great in the eyes of men. And the reason why he's in prison is not because he pointed out the Messiah. I mean, maybe he should open up his, his Bible. But the reason that he's in prison is because he denounced the false marriage of Herod, right? Not the Herod, the baby killer, but his grandson, who was the Herod who ended up involved in the passion. Uh, he was uh, he married his uh, brother's uh, wife, who uh, his brother died, and that was against the law. And he denounced that marriage. And that was the reason why he was in prison. It had nothing to do with pointing out the Messiah. And the, the traditional interpretation of why he told his disciples to go and ask our Lord that question was to evoke from our Lord the precise answer that our Lord gave. 
and that was to convince his disciples by quoting the prophecies of Isaiah that he was the true Messiah. He wanted to bring it out uh, for the sake of his disciples, but he had no doubt. That would be to doubt the faith. I mean, how could a person like that have any doubt, given all of the, the supernatural interventions in, in his life, that his whole life is given over from the, the time that he was a young child, given over to the pointing out of the Messiah, that, that how could he have any doubt? It tells me that he's got a lot of doubt. Uh, that, that doubt, he talks about doubt as if it were some sort of noble thing there. You know, he has, has doubts and he's got these tortures. And, uh, you know, I, well, I think he's beyond doubt. Personally, I don't think the man believes in God. That's my personal belief about Bergoglio. But he, he treats doubt as if, you see, you shouldn't feel so bad if you're doubting the faith, because look at John the Baptist, he doubted it too. But it is one more slap in the face, a blasphemous slap against St. John the Baptist, and also a profession of ignorance concerning Holy Scripture, and also a, a profession of disbelief and unbelief with regard to the supernatural events in St. John the Baptist's life. I, I agree with Father Chicada's assessment. I think it was a, a beyond uh, the text of the Gospel, definitely to the far side uh, in that interpretation. And I, these, you know, these are the people who wanted to make religion more scriptural. <laughs> and the, that's what I kept on thinking when Bishop Sanborn was re recounting all of this, that uh, that's what we were told time and time again, that this, this, this big shift in um, the, uh, as a result of Vatican II, we were going to really get the kernel of scripture. Well, we don't get the kernel of anything here. There's a lot of corny stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say, maybe Colonel Sanders. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> that's about it. Um, the, the next thing I'd like to, to, to look at, uh, Your Excellency and Father, is uh, something that's uh, happening in, in Great Britain which is the Year of Mercy bus. Uh, I don't know if our <laughs> listeners have had a chance to read this. It was reported in the Catholic Herald, which is one of the, uh, the Novus Ordo papers of record. And it's uh, by the Diocese of Salford. And it's a double-decker bus that's going to tour parts of Greater Manchester and Lancashire. And there's going to be priests on board available to hear confessions. They're going to be able to give blessings or or just have a simple chat, quote-unquote. There will also be music and young volunteers distributing leaflets to passers-by. Um, Bishop John Arnold of Salford said, the Mercy Bus is a way of reaching out to people who might not otherwise have contact with the church. We are going to them, rather than expecting them to come to us. Well, you know, maybe you, you could get a bus down there in Florida, your Excellency, pack up the seminary and go down distribute leaflets, uh, you know, and uh, follow Novus Ordo Watch's planned year of condemnation, and you could uh, hand out lots of lots of condemnations to people. <laughs> it's what's the, uh, you know, what's the point? So, uh, so corny, uh, uh, the whole idea of doing something like that, and, and um, what's the point with his uh, missionary missions, uh, missionaries of mercy, anyway. What are these people supposed to do? Well, 
is supposed to tell people who are living in adultery that it's okay to go okay. to sexual that they carry on the way they do, and they have all sorts of other other things that the year of parenting. And uh, they would do better to show up at, at a fitness gym uh, with that than, than run around England. Who's going to come out of their houses? If they were selling ice cream, they might, they might do a little better. But, I mean, who, England is a place that is virtually religionless. And who is going to, you know, come out and, and be excited about a bus coming through? Uh, you know, or, or show up at, at the, the stock exchange or something. I mean, that's where people are really interested. Not, not uh, I mean, it's just so stupid. I think it will be a tremendous flop. Uh, I don't think anybody will pay much attention. And there's there's the, the character of the English who doesn't lend itself to stuff like this. I mean, it might work in Mexico. Yes. But, I mean, the... the British are so laid back uh, and diffident about uh, anything like this. Uh, it, it's it's, uh, it's just a crazy PR stuff. Well, I suppose there's also right. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, there's the risk of getting into an accident and you get hit by the bus of mercy. I mean, I don't know what happens then. <laughs> I mean, that, you're definitely not waiting for people to come to you. I guess you are. You're you're bringing the faith to them. Um, well, I guess we'll we'll leave the the mercy bus in our rearview mirror, Your Excellency and Father. We'll move on to um, hugging. I would say both of the Earth and of the Russian Orthodox. And we'll start with the the Earth hugging. Um, this is a yet another video that uh, Francis has released to try to keep up with Father Chikada. Uh, and it's about care for creation. And I don't know if either of you had a chance to see this video. Well, I saw it, and the, um, it, it's the usual earth worship type of thing. And they actually have some fellow who is very thoughtfully uh, putting a piece of paper into a recycling bin, uh, which, uh, again, the idea is so trite and so goofy. Uh, and and uh, so much on the level of uh, uh, of this world and the level of material things and the level of, of uh, uh, the, the modern leftist program. It's almost it's almost like a parody of itself. But uh, he takes this business quite seriously. That there's some sort of a, uh, a religious obligation. So we had ecumenism last month, and we have the recycling guy this month. So, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, uh, another step down, uh, another step away from uh, religion into the religion of this world. Yeah, it's uh, more of the same. I mean, he, he's a, it's, it's from the 19th century, what they call social gospel. The purpose of the church is not to uplift people to uh, contemplation of God and to obey the commandments purpose of the church is to make life on this earth better. And you can see that theme in Gaudium et Spes, where the church gets on the bandwagon of making the earth a better place to live. And so, you know, it's a constant theme with him. I mean, does he ever really talk about God? Does he ever talk, does he ever say anything that, that is edifying and spiritually edifying? Isn't it always something about peace or, or tree hugging or, or, or some, you know, walls and building bridges. I mean, he, he's, he just 
pokes his nose into all of these these uh, left wing uh, projects for the world to make the world a better place to live. So he has transformed the Catholic religion into a social gospel. Yeah. And I, mean, I don't know if there's any significance in this. But after the, um, uh, what they called the Pope video, which had his latest message, the next thing that came up on YouTube is Jesuit Order exposed uh, 666 Mark of the Beast final warning. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that algorithm's really smart, Father. It picks out those, uh, those matching videos. It's not um, afraid of your word Right. The, uh, well, I think what I got is this is a communist. And communists, right. their religion is humanity, and and he he is following suit. You know, he's doing exactly what he should be doing as a good communist. Yeah, I, I was struck by there was a particular line in the video in which he he he's speaking of our common home, Earth. You know that we we need to take care of this uh, this thing. And again, I, I both of you have made this point in previous episodes. So the the, the Catholic position is not that we need to treat the planet uh, like trash, but the point is that we have stewardship, we have guardianship. But this is all passing. This is going to go away, and we should be focused on building the kingdom of Christ within ourselves, not worrying about saving the planet. And there's a complete distraction here. You both said this before in the past, um, but the video sort of struck when, when he was speaking about it, it seemed to me there's something you, you said earlier, Your Excellency, you don't believe, think that he believes in God. I think he definitely believes in saving the planet. I mean, I think that's his, that's his big thing. It's a religion substitute. It's what all the leftists do. They have religion substitutes. And it could be even things that are noble in themselves, like pancreatic cancer or breast cancer, you know, they get to all of these things or, building hospital wings, it, it's, it, those things are good in themselves. But the, it, it's the way it is done, as if uh, there is no God, and our God is to make life better here and to overcome death by medicine. See, that, that's, uh, that's the idea behind all of that humanistic charity. And remember, Pius X said, called a, a monstrous error, a charity without faith. He said that that is what is facing us today is a charity without faith, and that's exactly what Bergoglio is is giving for. Well, as I said, we're going to move from hugging trees to hugging uh, Russian patriarchs. Uh, in uh, a news story, it was said uh, on February the eighth, we must build bridges, not walls, because they aid the cause of peace. I want, I wanted to meet and embrace my Orthodox brothers again. And then he goes on to speak about migrants. And uh, Russia Today also had some coverage on this as relation of the current sanctions on Russia, that this could be sort of a diplomatic play by Francis to bring Russia back into the conversation after, uh, after the, the sanctions from the Ukrainian intervention. What do you see in this, Your Excellency and Father? Well, it's, it's more of the same. It's uh, more of the ecumenical nonsense. But I thought it was, it was significant that they ended up meeting in Cuba under the aegis <laughs> uh, of Raul Castro, Fidel's brother. And th this was the circumstance uh, under which Kirill, who was supposed to have been a KGB agent or a KGB stooge, 
um, uh, when the Soviet Union still existed. Uh, that, uh, in fact, it was done in Cuba. So the, um, uh, you know, that I thought was significant. The Russian patriarch, the patriarch of Moscow, uh, historically didn't ever want to have uh, anything to do with the Pope uh, because he had the idea, the patriarchs uh, had the idea that the, uh, there was no room in their religion for ecumenism because they believed that their religion was the one true religion, why should they go and meet uh, with someone who represented the false Roman religion? So hmm. at, at, least at, at least at one point they had the idea that, a, uh, that you're supposed to have one religion that God expects you to uh, adhere to, but apparently that's, that's God as well. I uh, saw somewhere else uh, tried to find it now that he was uh, also uh, Kirill uh, in uh, one of the statements that uh, uh, one of the paragraphs in the statement that he he signed with Bergoglio in effect sort of gave away the story in the Ukraine that the uh, Ukrainian Catholics who had, had joined the Catholic Church I think uh, uh, come back from schism in the Union of, of Brest-Litovsk or something in the 1600s that, um, and became known as Uniates. So the, the, the movement to join the Roman Catholic Church was referred to as Uniatism. So uh, Bergoglio uh, signed a statement with Kirill uh, uh, saying that, well, uh, Uniatism is uh, now not the way to go. That uh, uh, and uh, trying to convert people is not really the way to go. And the Ukrainians felt sold out uh, by him because uh, they had been persecuted by the Russian Orthodox uh, in uh, the Ukraine precisely because they were Uniates and they had united themselves uh, in the, the 17th century to the authority of the Pope. So in effect, Bergoglio gave away uh, the store ecumenically there for the sake of, of, of meeting with this uh, uh, bearded KGB agent. Yes, and, and those Eastern Europeans suffered a great deal at the hands of the Tsar and the, and the Russian Orthodox, which a branch of the Tsarist government, suffered a great deal. Uh, they had their churches taken away. And, uh, it, it was uh, centuries of suffering and, and strife. And for him to, in one sentence, say, well, that was all wrong, that was the wrong approach, is to just say that all of those people who suffered at least white martyrdoms for their faith and for their loyalty to the Pope and, and for uniatism to be united to the Pope, well, that was just a, a lot of nonsense. But he said in the past, proselytism is all nonsense. It's the same principle that, uh, that trying to uh, propose the, the Catholic Church as the one true church is something that we should not do. Hmm. Uh, with that, we'll move on to our final segment today, Your Excellency and Father, which is uh, Ronda Malia, which will have a, a, just a couple news items that uh, are, are a bit off the beaten path, if we weren't already off the beaten path. And uh, the first is that there's an official olive oil of the Year of Mercy, so we may see some other licensed products uh, coming out for the Year of Mercy. You know, uh, all those other 
popes really missed out on all those endorsement possibilities when they had jubilee years back in the day. It could be they're competing for an endorsement there. Uh, and, and speaking of endorsements, there's a soccer match for peace. Uh, Father Chicada, you were telling me in the, uh, in the pre-show that you uh, were struck by a couple of comments from the news story for this. They, um, uh, normally something like this, the heading match, a soccer match for, match for peace, so for Golio, would be something that I would kind of uh, skip over, but when I looked at this, uh, he uh, sort of made a big deal of the soccer match for peace, different uh, soccer stars, people that I've never heard of, thank heaven, and they uh, were uh, <laughs> part of the master piece. And he said that one of the definitions of a pope is to be the servant of the servants of God. That's why I'm here. That's why I agreed to come, Francis said, explaining that the uh, intent of the game isn't proselytization, okay, but the good of the human person. Quote, I want to be very clear. What matters here is the human person. Man and woman must be the center. I, uh, the, uh, there we go back to that theme again. And uh, the 60s theme of Paul VI and the integral humanism and all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. And that the cult, uh, of man. the cult of man, we have the cult of man uh, uh, above all. And he's a, uh, it keeps on coming up with Bergoglio, probably because he doesn't believe in God. Yeah, I don't think he believes in God. What is the good of man and woman except to to teach the, to that they embrace the Catholic faith and that they go to heaven? What what is the good? He says the good. What what good is that? What what good is he referring to? Except the good that proselytism brings to you, namely the the gospel. Blessed are the feet uh, of those you know who preach the gospel. Is what it says in sacred scripture. Uh, the, the the and, and you know the command the, the the grand commission to the apostles to preach the gospel for all that that is the good of the church that is the good <laughs> the primary and most fundamental good is to convert people to the Catholic faith to bring them into the mystical body of Christ so that they have the possibility of going to that. But what good is he talking about? You know the. <laughs> that they can run and they can hit a ball with their heads. Well, what what is the good? <laughs> it's all pagan. This is all still pagan. Well, it's a substitute religion again, because the religion of sport is. Um, uh, Bishop Dolan and I did a, a show on that for you, I think, at one point, and it, it's 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 another religion substitute. That uh, you know, at one point, the sport was simply something you did for a little bit of fun, but uh, the whole uh, way in which it is developed now, it is a uh, it is a major um, cultural and a major human activity throughout the world because of the uh, uh, because of modern communications and marketing, etc. So this is a, a uh, substitute for it. Bergoglio gets involved because it's, it's part of the religion of, of humanity. I mean, it's one thing to have a soccer club or a, uh, as we had in the old days, a, a CYO basketball team where Catholics um, 
Catholic kids could get together to do sports for some, some uh, uh, for uh, fun and for some sort of legitimate recreation. But um, uh, what he's talking about now on the level of professional sport is uh, actually a, a religion, which I suppose is the way that he wants it if man is the center of everything. Well, I figure, Father, you've got the height to have probably have been a pretty good uh, basketball player in your CYO days. Uh, unlike, like me, I'm not tall enough, unfortunately. The, um, yeah. the, I, I remember being really dismayed, uh, maybe one of the early times I'd met Bishop Dolan and, and we talked about Super Bowl Sunday and there being a noticeable diminishment of people in, in the pews on Super Bowl Sunday. And I remember just being astonished by, by that. I, I was a, a young and naive trad at the time. I really didn't know, but, uh, that you know, their uh, marketing um, books they talk about the fact that the NFL has managed to brand an entire day of the week, um, and I think it, it probably uh, tells you exactly where our civilization is. Yeah. So the older books mention uh, major sports events as a violation of Sunday. The older catechisms okay. mention that major sporting events as a violation of Sunday. And you didn't have that, actually, no. that I remember at all. No. You didn't. And, uh, uh, but, yes, everything went down the tube after Vatican II. Well, I, uh, to be fair, you're, you're talking about major sporting events. I've heard uh, tell of uh, families who skip mass because Johnny has a soccer tournament on Sunday. I mean, it's not That's even a major Super Bowl. <laughs> uh, Johnny is going to be out on the field or, or that... Babs is going to be a, a, a you know a cheerleader. Uh, I mean that's major. That's bigger than the Super Bowl. <laughs> the parents have to be there in adoration, down in adoration, falling uh, before their children who are involved in sports and whatnot. <laughs> I forgot you're actually every every uh, sporting event of your child is a major sporting event. Uh, it's something I, I need to file away. <laughs> um, before I uh, ask uh, His Excellency about what's going on at the seminary, Father, because we know he's going to tell us it's, there's nothing and it's boring and it's always the same. Life up at St. Gertrude's, we know, is not boring. I really have to say I enjoyed your Archbishop Lefebvre set of a contest video. I have to say, Father, it's it's the best one you've done in, in uh, not to say that the other ones weren't great, but uh, probably one of the most shocking points in that video was the fact that that Bishop Sanborn was ever a young priest. I, I, you had all of these photos and I saw all of this hair, all of this glorious hair. All of this hair on, on the then Father Sanborn's head and I thought Father Dolan in that picture must have been younger than I am today and I just thought where did you get all these photos, Father? It was really funny. <laughs> yes. No, yes. It, was, it was a lot of fun going through those pictures, let me tell you. It uh, <laughs> brought, back, brought back an awful lot of, uh, awful lot of memories. And it was uh, something that uh, I've always intended uh, to say. Uh, Bishop Sanborn had talked uh, in 1984 after our um, uh, to do in 1983 with the society about the, the mentality, uh, the, the internal mentality of 
of the Society of St. Pius X and how things sort of went to the cone in terms of uh, the uh, two or three different uh, factions or uh, different uh, camps. But it was something that needed to be said again, especially in, in light of the uh, uh, that uh, uh, the, uh, book by uh, Salsa and Cisco, the, the uh, sort of screed against uh, state of occultism. Uh, so there, there was a real need to bring up, I think, all of those quotes from Archbishop Lefebvre. Uh, that that is something that has been written out of the uh, written out of the, the official history, as it were. Yeah, the Lefebvre canon. Yeah, the Lefebvre canon. It, it's it's form <laughs> criticized Archbishop. So they, they, um, there's a difference between the Lefebvre of faith and the Lefebvre of history. Uh, so, by, by that same terminology, Father, they might classify yours as apocrypha. I guess they, they probably would, yeah, with, with uh, uh, their authority. But I mean, all of that stuff that I quoted from Archbishop Lefebvre was all authentic. And, um, you know, he did say those things that at one point, what we would now call sedevacantism was not uh, a thought crime uh, punishable by uh, execution or the <laughs> one of the Ministry of Truth in uh, the Society of St. Pius X. But, um, uh, he, you know, he did go back and forth, and as I do point out later in the video, even after he had had public conflicts with sedevacantism uh, in the late 80s, he even said things that were... Uh, uh, that, that gave credence to the state of economist position and uh, hinted that he himself might uh, become a state of economist. So the idea that it's uh, demonized and that we're somehow uh, all the, the, the spawn of Satan uh, and now is, is absolutely crazy because they're, uh, in effect, uh, denying a part of their, their uh, history for the sake of uh, some sort of a gain now. Yeah, so I think Father Chicada should get an Academy Award. We should have a, an award <laughs> ceremony. And uh, he, he can come down the aisle with sunglasses on. And, uh, <laughs> no, I don't think that, that's not possible this year because the Academy Awards people have um, decided that they, they need more racial diversity, <laughs> uh, that there wasn't enough in the last Academy Awards. So I don't know uh, what I could do. Uh, Maybe Chicago sounds Japanese. They're, they're not a. Uh, I don't think they're the person. They're, they're, they're not. No, no, they're 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 not a minority group. So. Uh, <laughs> right. Well, and, then, and you could say I was on your camera crew or something, Father. And there's there's a half Asian for you. You could throw that. Yeah, in. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> some of my best friends are Oriental. Or, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, we, we know that uh, Father Scott has been, been deep in the movie production process, uh, Your Excellency. Uh, how about you? Well, I, I am still leading my bleak and dull life in the seminary, chained to a classroom and chained to preparation of classes. Uh, my, uh, I'm teaching, the big course I'm teaching is church history, from the uh, time of Leo the Thirteenth to the end of uh, Pius XII's reign, which is very, very interesting, obviously, because it leads right up to our present problem. But it's a problem for me because so much is known about those reigns 
that you, you have to condense it. You know, you, you're reading all of these books and you have to condense it into something that is, is you know, they're able to digest, uh, but it's just enormous. And, uh, but yet there's some very, very interesting things that I do read uh, in the preparation of that class. So, but that occupies practically all my time. That's all I do is that. And, and, uh, and next year should be easier because we go back to the early period, the first 300 years, and uh, it's pretty much a textbook thing, and we don't know that much, thank goodness. <laughs> so there's not that much to say. Uh, but uh, I do want the seminarians to understand how Vatican II happened, and I do comment that would be too long to go into here, but it might be actually a show. Uh, you know, the, it all goes back to the pendulating papacy and accommodationism and uh, so, you know, we're seeing all of those things go back and forth in this period, and we're seeing personalities that were well-known, uh, and I think they're getting a picture of how Vatican II did, in fact, take place. The, when you have an effect like Vatican II, you have to look for a cause behind it, and it's in, those, in that period from, really, I would say, after the French Revolution right up to 1958, but especially in the hundred years before say, from 1870 or so from to 1958 or 62. So more or less that. Uh, that's the, but it would take me, well, I don't want to give you any ideas you might get before a show on that. And, but it really, uh, it, it, you know, it, they're seeing a, a lot of the details of how Vatican II happened. Well, you, you, so you, know, me too, or, you know me too well, Your Excellency. Yes. Yes, I know nothing. I'm a complete nincompoop, and I, I really, my mind is blank. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, Father, I had forgot to ask if there's anything else going on at St. Gertrude's or SGG resources you wanted us to know about. Well, uh, no, it's the, uh, the films, um, SGG resources is... Uh, we are selling a Holy Week book um, uh, this coming month, a, a, a very good, uh, a complete Holy Week book by, uh, by Dom Cabral. Also, the month after that, we're going to uh, offer uh, a uh, book for um, uh, uh, girls and young ladies, heroes of the Old or heroines of the Old Testament, that uh, Father Letteranta did. Our um, Finnish priest, who is one of the graduates of, of Most Holy Trinity Seminary, in a very nicely uh, written book. So you'll be hearing hearing more about that if you are on our uh, mailing list. This, this sounds like a commercial to me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll, let me do the commercial for Bishop Sanborn because he is he is uh, beginning to do podcasts. Uh, is going to do podcasts on this this uh, book by the the uh, tax lawyer and the investment counselor, and um, these will be uh, available uh, if you sign up on the mailing list for the Most Holy Trinity Seminary website. Yeah, so we we put in a, a request in our latest newsletter to send us uh, your email address if you want to get alerts from us about various informational projects that we're doing uh, as, as things happen in the church. And uh, so if you want that, also, you know, other alerts that we see, you know, is where you might be interested in this or that, like Father Chiquetta's videos or something, uh, we'll send out alerts for those. Or notices that you've won the seminary lottery. <laughs> uh, 
Well, but, that, that would be a little bit later. <laughs> by the way, on the some news, our cemetery was, so maybe we'll raffle off a, uh, a, a plot if anybody's interested. <laughs> <laughs> so we can have cemetery news, too, you know, like who's been buried in this. Uh, so uh, uh, we did get approved. Now it has to be surveyed so that we can have each one numbered. And you know, if somebody wants to buy one, they know what they're buying. So, um, so that, that's news. And is, our cemetery, cemeteries in Florida, do they need to have gator protection? Is that gated protection <laughs> down there? Well, uh, you're completely. <laughs> well, we do have to worry about the pigs. They uh, mm-hmm. we have to. Uh, out those wild boars who come in and completely mess up the your lawn. I mean, they go down at least six inches or more, and uh, just put their snouts in looking for some sort of you know bugs or whatever they eat. And uh, uh, so you know the cemetery could get messed up if we didn't have a fence up. So that's something we have to do in the development of the cemetery. Is he is limiting mm-hmm. the occupation of it to 144,000. <laughs> in case you're you're wondering. <laughs> <laughs> so it will it will contain at least one of the twelve tribes. That's excellent to hear. Yeah. <laughs> um, your Excellency. Well, as always, thank you uh, both, uh, Your Excellency and Father, for your time. I know we're taking you away from preparing for seminary classes tomorrow, so I will leave you to that. And uh, thanks for giving us yet another installment of Francis Watch. Thank you very much. Thanks, Stephen. God bless you all. As always, if you have questions for uh, His Excellency or Father, you can write to us, francislatch at truerestoration.org. I want to remind you that Francis Watch is a production of, the, of member-supported Restoration Radio. All rights are reserved. Any duplication without explicit written permission is forbidden. To obtain permission, please write to mail, M-A-L, at truerestoration.org. All of us here at member-supported Restoration Radio hope that you found this show to be informative, helpful, and beneficial to you and to your faith. In return... Please think of offering a Mass, a Rosary, or even a simple Ave for our work the next time that you pray. For the Restoration, I'm Stephen Heiner. May God bless you. This program was brought to you free of charge by the sponsorship of Novus Ordo Watch. See for yourself that the Church of the Second Vatican Council is not in fact the Catholic Church of the Ages. Go to NovusOrdoWatch.org. That's NovusOrdoWatch.org.